HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're foraging. From Prospect Park to an iPhone app, what does it mean to find our own food? We've recorded, I think, over 1,300 species of fungi occurring in New York City. You know, my ingredients are making themselves, and so that rather than having the stress of needing to source the things I need, I can just walk out my back door and I can have them. Foraging overall is born out of living with the land and with the seasons by indigenous people. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Restaurants are back, baby. Aside from reopening, many restaurateurs are taking the opportunity to expand and grow their businesses. Commercial rents are still down in many markets, and that means deals are to be had. For a proven restaurateur that's made it through the pandemic, they're an especially attractive tenant. Whatever the reason, opening season is in full swing, and that means new stories to learn from here on Opening Soon. Our guest today is Chef Ashish Alfred, chef and owner of nationally renowned restaurants Duck Duck Goose in Maryland and soon to be one more in Washington, D.C. Al has also outspoken about his journey as a chef and restaurateur in recovery and recently celebrated his seventh year sober. So huge congrats on that milestone. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you for having me. We're so excited to be here. You guys just missed us both. while we were getting set up fangirling over each other. Um, <laughs> Chef has, has worn our stuff for a while and we've, uh, we've been fans from, from here in New York, seeing him blow up. And um, I was just saying, seeing pictures of you and the New York city subway was pretty awesome. So we also just, uh, I think signed three new restaurant deals. Yeah. Three <laughs> <laughs> so she's just definitely growing. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's it's um it's it's really cool to just be able to sit down and talk to you guys for a little bit. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so you have quite an amazing story, and you've expanded very quickly. I feel like in in a short amount of time, also while working on yourself. So, um, so you just celebrated your seven year sober anniversary. So let's just first talk quickly about you know how that sort of shaped your business and and how you run your restaurants. Sure. Um, you know, I guess my sobriety as it pertains to my restaurants is, you know, when I, when I stopped using drugs and, and I, I just got a lot more clarity, 
Um, you know, and I, I did come up a little bit in that old school of old school of restaurants where, you know, it was like work hard, party hard, you know, how much can you drink the night before and still bang out 400 covers the next day. And I thought that was just the way that it had to be. And I thought that was the only way to cope with the hours and the stress and the heat. Um, and I learned very quickly that it, it doesn't have to be the way that it is. And not only does it not have to be that way, but it's actually a lot nicer on the other side when it's not that way. Um, you know, we, my restaurants, uh, very soon after I became sober, my restaurants became dry houses. Um, so we don't, there's no drinks after work, uh, in any of the houses, you know, the, the managers don't go out with the, with the staff for drinks. If they, if there is an activity going on, it's something that doesn't have any booze involved. And I gotta say, it's just nice working with, with, it's really nice working with people that come into to work with a clear head that aren't hung over, that aren't tired, that aren't, you know, standing around with tissue stuffed up their nose from the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it also, one thing that I, I got from my sobriety was, you know, I got out of my own ego a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of that is, uh, a, a lot of that, you know, the, the drinking and the drugging, a lot of that is to, you know, cover up your own insecurities. And, um, you know, I, I was able to kind of, with time, I was able to kind of move away from that. Yeah, I think I think it's the one of the biggest um, influences in the industry is that people like you and, and many other chefs that are now the new guard of of an example to be had for young cooks. And I think you know doing those things like you said of having you know a, a dry house and when you do activities together as a team, you're encouraging positive behavior because as, as a young person, as a young cook, as as anything, you're going to look up to the people that you're working for and that you admire that are getting press that are going on the TV shows. And those are the ones that you're going to follow. And whether it's, you know, a bunch of tattoos or it's, you know, a bunch of blow, it's, you are an example. And I think it's very important to see and very nice to see that the people are are being a better example these days. I agree. And, you know, I think that that the title chef doesn't just, the title chef doesn't just mean somebody that can cook, you know, I think chef means boss, uh, at, at its highest level. And I, I think that, you know, you, you have to lead your house by example. And, you know, for me, I, um, I'm, I'm pretty active in the gym and I, I believe bartending, serving, cooking, I, you know, that's an athletic event, um, you know, to work a 10 hour shift on your feet, moving quickly, moving efficiently. Um, you know, that, that it's important to take care of your body. For sure. I think a lot of uh, chefs have sort of gone that way. Alex is running the marathon in, uh, in November. We, we need to get a sober chef running crew. Awesome. So let's talk, um, let's talk a little bit about what you have coming down the pipeline. So you have two restaurants currently open in Bethesda and in Baltimore and you're opening DC coming very soon, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're like very soon. Have an opening date? What's the um, you know million dollar question? What is the opening date? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's uh, it's been a little bit tough to go around just because I mean I'm sure it's no secret to you guys you know shipping uh, is a is a problem. Uh, it's a shit show. It's, it's not a just shit show. <laughs> yeah, it's a shit show. You know, some people will tell you, oh yeah, we'll have it to you in 12 weeks, and then you know before I know it, two refrigerators show up to a vacant building that's not ready for refrigerators two days later. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's just been it's been difficult to plan for this one. Um, also, you know, the cost of everything is, is through the roof. The cost of lumber is through the roof. The cost of all raw material materials are uh, are through the roof. So, you know, we're hoping for six weeks. Um, we're hoping for six weeks. But, you know, we were fortunate to get a really good deal with our landlord there. So we're not going to rush it. You know, when we're ready, we'll open. If we're not ready, we won't fucking open. Yeah. And was this a space that you guys took a lease on pre-pandemic, during it, or after it as a result of a, a lower rent? Or? Um, this is a space that we took on um, intra-pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. so things were still pretty active. You know, the shutdowns were still pretty active. I think at the time that we were looking at it, D.C. still wasn't doing any indoor dining. Um, so, you know, it, it, it helped us in our negotiations without saying too much. Yeah. Had you always wanted a place in DC or was this like you sort of saw the the rents falling and felt like this is a good time? How did, how did you IDC from? Yeah. Um, you know, DC, that, that market for restaurants is just blown up over, you know, just shy of a decade, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always wanted to go there, but we were always, you know, priced out. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a single operator. I, I don't have, um, I'm working on it now, but I, I haven't until this point really had any working partners. Um, so it was it was a heavy lift for me, too heavy a lift for me to be able to do on my own. And, um, you know, the, the pandemic, not to be insensitive, but the pandemic presented us an opportunity to go into a space which we otherwise wouldn't have been, been able to afford uh, and a turnkey space at that. Um, so, yeah, we always wanted to go to D.C., always wanted to be, I mean, who would not want, you know, what American chef would not want a restaurant in, in the nation's capital. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we were, we were excited to, to be able to finally afford being there. Tell us a little bit about the, um, business decision. I know that, um, duck, duck goose is a concept in all three locations. How does the business play out and in, in do in repeating a concept that, you know, works in another, uh, in another market rather than trying, uh, you know, a new concept necessarily. Sure. So I think that the reason we've been successful across two, like just, if you look at Bethesda and Baltimore, two very different markets, um, you know, we, we don't necessarily try to be the same in both places. Um, you know, Duck Duck Goose is somewhere where we like to be consistent in experience, consistent in the way that we treat our clients, consistent in, in the product as it relates to service and drinks and, and steps of service, uh, and, and type of food. Um, but we don't necessarily try to replicate the menu and, and replicate, uh, you know, everything to a T from location to location. Cause what works in Bethesda is not going to work in Baltimore. Um, and you know, we really pride ourselves on, you know, when we go into a space, we really, really integrate ourselves into the fabric of that community, whether it's like getting involved with the PTA, whether it's getting involved with local charities. Like, you know, when we were looking at the opening for D.C., we 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 looked at, you know, what who can we get involved with here that really makes a difference in this neighborhood? And D.C., to be specific, we're in DuPont Circle, which um, has a, a large community of, uh, of LGBTQ. And, you know, we said, you know, let's let's embed ourselves there. So we found a program that uh, you know, it supports, um, young trans kids and provides them with therapy and support because that can be a really depressing time of their lives. You know, especially as teenagers coming out that way, you know, they, they can, they, a lot, the suicide rates are, are, are tragic. Um, so we said, well, that, that's where we want to, that's where we want to get in. That's who we want to get in with. So, um, 
to answer your question, a really long way. No, Duck Duck Goose is not the same in Bethesda <laughs> as it is in Baltimore or or as it will be in, in D.C. You know, we try to identify what that community needs and, and address that. Sure. There must be some... Um there must be some some benefit though too of, of having you know some similar ideas and having you know um, some some proven experience on what has worked at, at the concept and but that was Bethesda first or Baltimore was first Bethesda was first yeah you know you're yeah. not wrong you know we we we, right. <laughs> we have had the opportunity to figure out what works and what doesn't work like just from yeah, an operational standpoint some like, of the risk which is always you know a, a big worry when opening a new place. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we learned very early that, you know, Duck Duck Goose was a not, con- not a concept where we were going to be able to serve, you know, angel's hair soaked in virgin tears. Um, <laughs> how will you personally split your time now going? Because Baltimore, D.C. is not super far, but the, it can be a challenge traffic-wise, yeah. right? You know, I've been, I've been really fortunate um, through my career in that I have been able to work with really amazing people. And we pride ourselves on on promoting on promoting internally. Um, so we like to see people that grow organically within the business, rather than pulling people from outside the business in. That's changing a little bit now because there's a lot of really great people that are leaving amazing houses uh, because of COVID. Um, so we we have been able to source some talent that way. But you know, for me, as far as managing my time goes, I you know I. I I work for the restaurants. So it's kind of like wherever the need is, is where I am. If they're, you know, if they're half a guy short or two guys short in Baltimore, that's where I'll be. If they're somebody short in Bethesda, then that's where I'll be. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, what's your schedule? And, you know, I'd fucking pay a thousand dollars for somebody to give me a schedule. <laughs> I don't one day How many miles does your car have on it? Are you just like constantly driving back and forth? From, My, like, truck? <laughs> My truck? My truck has so many, so many. So many. Um, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about like staffing and stuff right now. Cause I saw on, I was stalking your Instagram as we were, um, as we were preparing for this episode and I saw something about you're closing on Mondays and Tuesdays now. Well, I hope was that you're stalking my Instagram all the time. Cause I'm stalking. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, we follow all of our friends and chefs. Um, yeah. but yeah, but I was specifically just like looking back for, um, and I saw that recently in May, it looks like you guys are no longer open on Monday and Tuesday. So tell us a little bit about that decision and how you see that, you know, filtering across, um, the brand as you grow. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we'd love to return to being a seven day a week operation. I think my Baltimore outlet is probably inching that way closer than, than the Bethesda outlet is right now. I think Baltimore will be back to six or seven days pretty soon. Um, but it just kind of got to a point where, you know, we closed restaurants, then we reopened restaurants and then we did patio only, and then we closed restaurants altogether. And then, you know, we became so obsessed with being open. Mm-hmm. And we we forgot we forgot to it's gonna make me sound like an asshole, but we forgot to we forgot to take into consideration the people that were opening us. Mm-hmm. You know, like and I, I was looking around at my cooks and my servers and everybody just looked tired and worn out and and I said, Man, we just can't do this anymore. <laughs> we can't uh, you know, as a chef you can't you can't hold standards high when your guys are all you know, at death's door. Yeah. As, and, and servers, you know, it's bad enough. We can't smile at people because we have these, you know, fucking masks over our face. These kids can't even smile with their eyes because they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can't, 
And, 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 you know, all the while, like here I am with like dreams of expansion and growing my brand. I can't do that on the backs of, uh, I can't, you know, build my livelihood on the backs of people's well-being. And also everybody has just come off of this time in the pandemic where, you know, maybe they spent more time with their Chia pet or their dog or their husband or their wife or who the fuck knows, but, you know, all of a sudden to rip them away from that and tell them that they have to come sit in a restaurant where, you know, I, I just, I couldn't stomach that. So I said, listen, we're going to close a couple days a week. The other shifts will, will probably still be long shifts, but, um, you know, at least people will have those two days off, you know, where, where they can really kind of rest and rejuvenate and, and, and think about what they want to do for the rest of their week. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways too, it, it can ease the the pressure of um, filling a filling a staff schedule. It can make the team that you have tighter because they're there together five days a week and perform yeah. better and, and more invested and all those things. Is it something you think that you'll be able to continue, or you know, will the business economics you know force you to go back to being open seven days a week? Unfortunately, I think the business economics will force. I shouldn't say unfortunately. Um, I think the business economics will force us to going back to seven days a week. Um, but I, I can say that, you know, we are not going to do it unless we are able to provide everybody with a couple days off a week. Sure. Um, so for us, it's that, that's, that's kind of, that's going to be the straw to break, the, to break the camel's back going back to seven days. You know, can we, do we have enough staff on board to be able to comfortably open seven days a week where everybody's still getting a couple days off a week? Now that people are more vaccinated and, um, and do, do you feel like there is staff coming back or now that people have sort of started to figure out where they're going to be? Cause I know a lot of people move too. I think like here in New York city, a lot of our friends are telling us like people literally left New York city. So there isn't people who live here anymore who can come and work. And so I, you know, I think some of that is that some of that dust starting to settle or do you feel like it's still a few months out before you'll feel fully staffed again? I think it's probably still a few months out, but I think the dust is definitely starting to settle. I think people are coming back to work. I think, uh, you know, in some places, uh, unemployment started to dry up. Um, and, you know, my opinion, while not always the popular one amongst small business owners, is I think that this, I think this drove a lot of really good change in the restaurant business. Yeah. I think the day of, you know, having a cook come in and paying him $12 an hour to kill himself for you 16 hours a day is dead. You know, I think that this is, this was a hard reset for, for restaurant employees to think about what they wanted to go back to work for restaurant owners to think about, you know, what they really had to do to attract good people to come and work for them and make those people feel cared for. Um, yeah, I, I think that answers your question. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. I, I think a lot in a lot of these conversations we're having, it's similar feedback is like, it's been a hard look, but it's, I think it's been good and hopefully it attacks, it attracts better talent in the future. You know, and the you know, yeah. people say, this is a place where I can have a livelihood where I'm not going to make $7 an hour and have to work 60 hours a week. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully the talent pool expands again after operators like you and yourselves and your colleagues are paying people better, having better hours and, and yeah. all of those other benefits too. So we're, we're here for the reckoning, I should say. <laughs> um, yeah, no, awesome. And what about consumer demand? Is like you feel like it's there in all of the because you're operating basically across three cities. Yeah. Um, so how how are you feeling from like the consumer standpoint? I think the consumer demand is there. I think people are willing to people are more than willing to come back out of their house. We're starting to get calls every day now again about private parties and yes. event bookings and 
I think people have been cooped up and they, they want to get out and they want to celebrate what's important to them. And um, I think people are excited to go back out to dinner and, and you know, feel normal again. Um, so I think the consumer demand is there, which, I mean, to take us back to our first point, I think that, you know, restaurants are in a position where you can charge a premium. Uh, you can charge a premium to justify, you know, paying better wages to, you know, offering benefits, um, you know, offering paid time off and things like that. So I think consumers are willing to pay a higher price. Have you been, have you raised many prices? Are you planning to do higher menu prices in DC? We have in both of the houses we've raised menu prices. I mean, one, because things have gotten more expensive and two, because, you know, I have to justify, I have to, I mean, I can't just close for two days and not, you know, cover that Delta somehow. Um, right. And, you know, everything has gotten more expensive. My labor has gotten more expensive. My, the cost of my food has gotten more expensive. Everything has gotten more expensive. Inflation yeah, is real. Really that's, yeah. that's a really good point. That, and I think that you often, you, you see often articles and um, such that sort of target restaurateurs as these like, greedy people that are taking advantage of, of their employment. And in some, in some cases that's true, but in a lot of cases it's that the consumer is just not willing to pay more for their burger. They're not willing to go over $19. And so I think a lot of the responsibility actually falls on the consumer and being willing to accept and understand the process of making a meal for you in a central part of the city and bringing it to your table and smiling at you and doing all those things that make you feel really good. Yeah. And it's not going to be the same as at the fucking grocery store. Like, yep. You cannot compare. It's, it's, it's not your job to, as a, as a client, it's not your job to understand those things. It's not, right. if, you, if you, if you don't want to be sensitive to all those things, it's not your job to know that, Hey, I have to have, I don't, I might not have fish in, or I might not have fish that's on the menu in for Friday because, Hey, my fish guy just changed his cutoff time to 4 p.m. on Thursdays because he doesn't have guys <laughs> to drive the fucking trucks. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not your job to know that, but it is your job to shut the fuck up and not be a dickhead <laughs> when I tell you I don't have it. Right. If have you're you... not happy here, go fucking line up at Chipotle, homie. They'll have the whole fucking menu every day. <laughs> <laughs> and it came frozen, not with a bunch of awesome trained chefs cooking it for you. Yeah. So did you... Do you, have you seen any pushback from your customers with like the change in prices or anything? Or is everybody just so like relieved to be out, not cooking for themselves that they shut up and eat the fish that you got? For them? Yeah, no, no, none at all. Not, nobody, nobody has bitten back about the pricing. Nobody. I, and I think even on our online reviews, um, you know, nobody has clapped back about, about the price increases. Um, you know, if anything, people can get a little shitty about, you know, well, how come there's a wait? Like I had a reservation at seven o'clock. I mean, it's just standard stuff, but you know, I had a, I had a reservation at seven, it's now seven thirty. you know, what's going on. And you know, what's going on is I've got half as much staff as I normally have. And they're trying to do things as quickly as they can while ensuring that everybody gets the experience that they signed up for when they made their reservation here. Right. The challenge I think is, uh, do people have a place to wait or anything to do while they wait? This is the, the sort of the spot we're stuck in, right? Cause you can't file them at a bar and make them happy and give them a cocktail. Yeah. What's happening in Maryland? I mean, the, the bars are open. Uh, the bars are open. You can wait at the bar. And our, yeah. our MO is to, to, to feed you a glass of champagne if we're going to keep you waiting for right. longer than you're planning to wait. But also, you're not a fucking six-year-old. I don't need to have a sandbox and a playpen on this bike. <laughs> you got to stand there and fucking play words with friends on your phone for five minutes while we get your table ready. Then do that. 
New Yorkers like to be punished by waiting. I don't know. Now, yeah. but now we uh, the bars are open again, so it's like if, you, if you, it's like not a cool spot if you have to if you like get to that. Like right. Alex is not like waiting. I will intentionally make like a five o'clock reservation, so I, <laughs> I will not complain at seven thirty. I will be there at five eight, five p.m. This is so true. <laughs> So any other surprises? We want to talk a little bit about the opening too for, for DC since that's coming down the pike. So any yep. other, besides like just getting the equipment in, any other surprises that are happening? Anything different? Any good surprises? In what sense? Just in like, you know, how the build-out's going versus how it's gone before. We've heard permitting processes can be a little bit easier now because like all these government agencies are forced to go online. I'm not sure if that's happening. Yeah. opening a wall and you find out that the plumbing yeah, is going to be on, right? Those sort of things. It, Big things. I will say that for me as a business owner personally, um, you know, DuckDuckGoose Goose Bethesda, uh, I built it with less than no money uh, with, with a few friends. Duck, Duck, Goose, Baltimore, um, I'm pretty sure I built it with even less money. Um, again, with just a couple buddies. So for me as a business owner, it was really interesting to go into this space, um, which was largely turnkey, but like to go in with a designer and really make this space super beautiful. Um, and, and as also like having the things in my tool belt that I have now, like, okay, you know, the tables are this big, so we need this much clearance for somebody to get by with a cart. Um, you know, other steps of service that we thought about were like, you know, we added a champagne, uh, like a champagne trolley right at the front because we do very often run into a wait where like people want to linger, you know, people want to hang out afterwards. So we don't want to say, Hey, get the fuck up. So we'll be like, Hey, you know, we want to be ready for the next reservation the same way we were ready for yours. Um, if you'd like to continue your conversation, just grab a couple glasses of champagne, the champagne card and kind of hang out by the bar. Um, smart, you know, it's been even when I'm at the job site in Baltimore for No Way Rosé, the amount of people that will just stop and say, hey, can we grab you a cup of coffee? Or we're really excited that you're opening. We can't believe what you guys have been through this last year. I mean, that's what we do it for. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. That's what we do it for. We do it for the instant gratification of seeing people happy, uh, getting people excited about you know the, 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 the ideas that circle around in our head as, that, as restaurants. And then you know, we bring those things to fruition. And um, you know, that, that's been really exciting. So tell us a little bit about... Yes. Is it yes way, Rosé? No, no way, Rosé. No Tell way, us a little bit. No, no way, Rosé. Okay. Tell us. So, so there's a fourth project on the horizon that we just found out about three minutes <laughs> before we started recording. Um, so now you're going from, from two to four very quickly. So tell us Where about, yeah, tell us all the things. No way, Rosé is in a great part of Baltimore. It's in Federal Hill. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's um, less than half a mile away from where the Star Spangled Banner was written. Um, so, you know, again, great part of American history and being very close to it, who wouldn't want to be there? Uh, there's a, a great bunch of restaurants and bars right there. It's kind of a little bit of Baltimore's like party corridor. Um, you know, a lot of the kids from the neighboring universities come down and they, they have a good time there and space became available. It was very turnkey. Um, and we decided, you know, let's do something, you know, maybe let's let our hair down a little bit. We can do like French bistro classics, do like a huge focus on champagne, on rosé, on wine, and, and just show, become a really fun neighborhood bistro. Uh, and that's what we're building. Ashish, you mentioned that both the DC property and this one were turnkey. When you say that, do you mean that they have all the equipment in them, they're ready to go? And normally when you see a rent like that, you're, you're slapped with a, an add-on cash 
value to take it of anywhere from a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. Sure, tell us about um, your deals. I, I mean, <clears throat> I'm going to hope that my landlords don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> you don't need to give us exact numbers either. You can just. But you know, I, you know, a couple of people try. You know, in, in both these spaces, they tried. They said, "Well, you know, you're getting a turnkey space." Um, you know, we really should, we should be collecting something for the furniture, fixtures and equipment that exist. Um, and I responded and I said, listen, I'm, I'm taking your space because of the furniture, fixtures and equipment that exist. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you want to take them with you, you can find somebody else to sign this fucking lease. <laughs> um, on the sandbox. You know, conversely, <laughs> you have somebody, you have somebody with a, a, a proven, and this is not, I'm not somebody with a big ego, but you know, in return, they're getting they're getting a ten year lease signed from somebody with a proven track record that has pulled through two restaurants through COVID. Um, that is going to come in there and make sure your rent is paid on time and take care of your building and really own that business. So, you know, I think for people going into spaces, second gen spaces, you know, the big operators, the big corporate operators, they're not open any anything this year. Um, so, I think if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, you know, we want some key money," hey, pound sand. Yeah. And were you able to um, still negotiate, you know, like reasonable length terms, five to 10 years or more on, on both of these spaces? Yes. Okay, cool. And what about, did you get any, were you able to get like concessions for build out since you didn't do key money or not really? Yes. Awesome. Look at you. Damn. <laughs> Y'all get out there and rent some spaces. This is like, I mean, this is a this really, yeah. yeah, this is a great no, timing. I mean, it's it's like really good. And you know, my, my, my words would be, don't get discouraged, you know? And I, I said this from the beginning, restaurant people, we are the most fucking resilient people in the yeah. world. You know, I'm sure that if somebody really wanted to, they could open a restaurant at Chernobyl. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we really are. We're the hard. I think we're some of the hardest working, most resilient people in the world. And don't get discouraged. You know, just because of this pandemic, what are people going to do? Are going to start fucking cooking at home seven days a week? They're going to start no days on their patios at, at home seven days a fucking week. No chance. Yeah. You no know, way. Go back out. Open a restaurant. You know, I, I think it, it's coming back. It has to come back. Yeah. I mean, every, it's like, it's impossible to get a reservation here in New York city again. It's like, yeah. that's how I know it's like in every restaurant is not full. Not, it is so hard at five <laughs> o'clock. I had a bed the other day. So, I mean, it's, which is awesome. It's like, that's, that's what we want to see. And to hear that there's still deals to be had is, is pretty amazing too. I was, just in, I was just in Spain and their rules are still pretty tough there. I think everything closes at 1am. Um, but even there, you know, one of the, and Spain was hit so hard so by the hard. pandemic, so hard. Um, but even there, you cannot get a table. People are rushing to go back out. People want to get back out. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what we want to see. It's the roaring 20s all over again, we hope. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, do you, do you mind sharing a little bit about how you're like financing the expansion? Did you, you mentioned that you're mostly, you know, haven't really taken out big outside investors. Have has that changed for you? Is it mostly still friends and family? Tell us how you're, how you're speak to it because I think people, whatever I say, people are going to have their own ideas and impressions. So I'd, I'd really rather not speak to it, but you know, I, I will say this much. I've had, um, a very, very tight group of friends and family that, have been really faithful to me and the business and really kind of gotten behind our hopes and dreams as a business. Uh, and we've gone out of our way to do right by them. So when, when, you know, when we go to some of these people and we say, Hey, we want to keep going, 
um, they know that we will we were we will cross hell and high water to to do right by them. Cool. Well, um, I think it's important, Ashish, for us to talk about the, the successes as well as the challenges. And I know that you closed George's Chop House yep. that during the pandemic. After, and can you tell us a little bit about um, what what didn't work about it, and you know, you know how you feel coming out of it and opening two new spaces? I mean, it certainly hasn't yep. slowed you down, which I yep. love to see. And so, so I feel okay asking you about it. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Um, so George's Chop House was. It was branded as George's Chop House, but it really was an event space. Um, we, I was the you know bar mitzvah king of Bethesda. We had something <laughs> every, Friday, every Friday, every Saturday. We typically had a few corporate luncheons booked during the week. So it really was you know it was a space you know and even in our lease, it was rented to us as as an event space. Really, um, when I first got sober and came home. I needed a way to make money quickly and I had zero reputation as a chef. So I said, well, you know, my background is in, is in nightclubs. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just turn it into a nightclub. So I ran it that way for a while. And then finally I got sick of standing in there until five o'clock in the morning and getting my shoes puked on. <laughs> I saved, I'd saved a couple pennies. So I turned it into George's chop house all the while we had been doing events. Um, but I, I turned it into George's chop house and it had just kind of started to take off and we had just spent um, just shy of $200,000 to outfit it with a brand new kitchen in February. And then March rolls around and they shut down restaurants. So being as the space was never really a restaurant, as much as we tried to pivot into doing carry out and doing family meals, you know, the, the space had not existed for long enough as a restaurant. It was always just a banquet space um, so it just, it never was able to make it. So I called the landlord and I said, Hey man, like, you know, I've had to cancel all these parties. I've got to refund these people all this money. Um, can we work something out on the rent? And, uh, and the landlord was not inclined to, um, you know, he thought that he had, he had premier real estate, uh, sitting on A1A in, in, in Bethesda. And, um, so I handed him the keys and I left, you know, we tried, we tried to do takeout. We tried to do everything that we could do, but the restaurant, there was no outdoor patio. Um, the restaurant was not really, you know, it wasn't in our lease to be able to set it up as like a takeout establishment. Um, the, the restaurant really was, it was, it was, an, it was less restaurant and, and, and really an event space. And there was just no way for us to turn that around. And for me, it was a lot more important to pay these clients back. These people that have entrusted us with their, with their once in a lifetime event, especially with, with these mitzvahs, you know, some of these families save up for the entire, that child's entire life to be able to throw a huge mitzvah for them. And I couldn't in good conscience not pay them back. And it was more important to me to, to do that than, than, than to make a rich landlord richer. You know, I, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't stomach that. Um, so I, I had to pay these folks back. The landlord did not want to negotiate on the rent. So as much as I hated walking away from that space, it was my first space. It was the most expensive PhD ever in America. <laughs> um, We've all know, been there. It's where I got sober. It's, um, it, it, there's, there's a lot of a love tied into that space. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but when I was thinking about changing it from a nightclub to George's Chop House, George's being named after my brother, I was just pulling some of the furniture aside and I found $101 behind one of the benches. And that was super significant to me because in Indian culture, if somebody gives you a money gift, they'll give you $21 or they'll give you $1,001 or they'll give you $11. They'll never give you an even number. 
because it's always, okay, well, here's $101 because here's your $1 on your way to a next hundred. So for me, I'm not a very emotional, spiritual, any person, but for me, that was a huge like nod from my brother saying, yeah, turn this into George's Shop House. Uh, so as painful as it was to walk away from it, um, you know, I have a lot of people whose lives and livelihoods and the livelihoods of their children depend on on me and the business decisions that I make. And I feel like for them, as well as for me and the brand, the best decision to make was to walk away from that space. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's like, it's, there's a, the whole sunk cost fallacy. It's like you, it's, sometimes it's better to walk away forgetting everything that you have put 100%. into it. And, you know, when it's time, it's time. So, but it sounds like you're no worse for it and things are, are going in the right direction. So... This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Should we jump into Lightning Yeah, let's do it. Um... We like to do a little lightning round. It's meant to be a quick answer, quick questions with, you know, like one to two word answers. Um, Tell us your favorite NA cocktail. That's tough. My manager makes this one for me. It's kind of based loosely off of Hugo. Uh, It's cucumber juice, uh, a little bit of sparkling water, and uh, the seed lip, uh, the, the, the seed lip spice. It's really, really good. Mm, sounds nice, refreshing. A simple syrup. I really like it a lot. Are you? Do you have a lot of NA. Do you have a NA list on? We do. All we the restaurants uh, and all the restaurants moving forward. Um, we will always have an NA NA Bev menu. Well, I think everyone needs. Everyone is listening. We know. If you guys listen to our show frequently, I'm also sober and and I like to have a fancy cocktail it often ends up pink which i don't mind <laughs> it's always I'm more than pink. willing to pay 12 dollars for an cocktail so put it yeah. on your menu and make some money behind the bar on uh and uh, as uh sober people as well second question uh ashish your best business resource it can be a book a podcast a website a person my best business resource yeah my mother Aww. mom she's been in business for herself for about 30 years now um, and she always has just the most fucking gangster sage advice ever. <laughs> She's my mom is a five foot tall thug. Is she involved with the restaurants or just from an advisor standpoint? Just from an advisor standpoint. Okay. Is she a cook as well? 
not a good one. <laughs> Aww, right. Well, business advice gets you very far. Doesn't need to do it all. Doesn't need to do it all. Very yeah. true. Um, what about a resource for those in the hospitality industry that are maybe struggling with substance abuse or trying to get sober recovery? You know, Ben's Friends is great. Um, I had the opportunity to meet Mickey Baxt uh, a couple weeks ago. He is just a lovely, lovely man. Uh, and he's very reachable and he makes sure that the organization is very reachable. Um, I think that there's more and more groups popping up across the country where it's, uh, you know, there's, they're, they're either AA groups or sobriety groups for people specifically in the restaurant industry. Um, but I, I also feel like more and more, especially in like the, the bigger houses, I feel like you can go now to your HR director, or to your general manager, or to whoever, and say, "Hey, this is something that I'm struggling with." And a lot of the bigger houses, they will they will take that in consideration. They will they will find support for you. Yeah. Um, there, there's also in, in a lot of the a lot of the recovery facilities. Um, uh, you know, there's one very close here in Baltimore. It's huge. Great people there called Shepherd Pratt. Um, they're actually working actively on putting together a program specifically for people that work in the hospitality industry. Cause I think it's not fair anymore to ask people, even when I was in rehab, people said to me, they were like, well, you know, you got to find another, another line of work. You got to find something else to do. And I was like, go oh, fuck yourself. I'm not going to do something. Mm-hmm. What am I going to fucking do? Be an accountant. No, mm-hmm. um, nothing against accountants, but, um, <laughs> but I, I think that there, there's more and more resources opening up. And, you know, for me, this walk into an AA meeting. Walk into an AA meeting, say where you work. Chances are there's somebody else there that that has a similar life experience or somebody else there that knows somebody with a similar life experience that can relate to what it is that you go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had an episode with Steve Palmer, who's also one of the founders of Ben's Friends. Um, it was a year and a half, maybe two years ago, which was really awesome. And he said a very similar thing. So it was a, it was a great episode for anybody who's interested um, to go look that back up in our in our library. And he talks a little bit about the starting of Ben's Friends. And he said something similar too, is like when he was getting sobers that, that everybody, his sponsor, everybody discouraged him and said, you can't go back to work in restaurants. And, you know, he has Indigo Road is, has this huge restaurant group with 20 plus restaurants. So yeah. And there, if you're curious, it's bensfriendshope.com. What was the name of the other one that you mentioned? Shepherds? Shepherd Pratt. Shepherd Pratt. Shepherd Pratt. Okay. Um, moving on. Next question. This is a write-in question. Um, given your notoriety as the bat mitzvah king of Bethesda, <laughs> will there be another event space in the future? Um, yes. All right. There you go. There you go. So Turnkey is popping right now. She's just starting to grab one up. <laughs> So the Jewish parents of Bethesda don't need to cry. <laughs> there will be there will be a return. I love she, that. She'll be back. Yes, as a Jewish girl myself, I would have loved to have it at my bat mitzvah, a place like yours. Mine was like not fun, not fancy. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. And then last one. What about is there a fantasy location for your next um, duck, duck, goose? Ooh, long pause. New York City. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to go south for the next one. Ooh, south. Flying south for the winter. Yeah, yes. I'd like to go south for the next one for just that reason, because then I can get out of the cold for a few months a year and just say, yeah, I'm working at this one. Yeah, um, I feel that. I'd, I'd like to go south for the next one. Uh, I don't know how many more duck duck geese there will be. Um, <laughs> you know, I have no desire to be the, the red lobster of French food. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. 
Awesome. All right. <laughs> um, I think that's wraps it up for questions, right? Yeah. We, um, you want to do a few opening soon? Or? Yeah, we like to shout out opening soon announcements. So you have two that are coming. Um, do you have No Way Rose and Duck Duck Goose DC? Duck Duck Goose DC. Any other opening soon announcements, friends that you want to shout out? Anybody anywhere you've been recently that just opened or reopened? No, I'm opening restaurants, so I unfortunately have no social life. No, I mean, if I was going to shout anybody out, it's just you know, huge shout out to the guys that have that have really worked their ass off to make it through, and the guys that are still out there making moves right now, and 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 taking risks, and you know, it's a lot. Uh, I tip my hat to those guys. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of people making it through, we, our friends in Chicago, um, Lula Cafe just reopened for the first time since the pandemic. So that was really, really exciting to see um, last week. So congrats to Jason and his team. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Cool. Um, Ashish, how do we find you and the restaurants on social? Uh, so my social is Instagram is at Chef Ashish Alfred. Um, and the Instagram for Baltimore is at DDG Baltimore, Bethesda is DDG Bethesda, uh, and DC is DDG DuPont. Cool. We are excited to visit, uh, our, if you're looking for us on, uh, social, it's at, we are opening soon and at till NYC. Thanks again. Thanks so much. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.